0: Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan, here with... Matthew Statler. And we're back at it again with a new series, a new subject matter, and uh, new content. We just finished up our five-week series on the five solas of the Reformation. Matt, I think that went pretty well. I I was encouraged by a lot of the feedback um, I got or heard back from from that series did you hear anything positive
1: i haven't heard anything so whoever's listening that i know better get their act together
0: (laughs) no but i i think it one of the things matt it identifies is i think a lot of people are curious about man some of these doctrines that um maybe have been spoken over people's heads for a long time and it's you know a little bit harder to grasp so anytime we uh, can figure out how to simplify some things for you guys we certainly will in addition to kind of the way we approach life's issues and talk through those things biblically but today we're starting kind of a new series on Christian ministry and so we'll do that divide that kind of up into three parts from uh, what does it mean when the bible says uh, that we're a royal priesthood all christians are priests like what are the implications for that right and then what is or how do i develop a sense of place where i do ministry like what in my community in my context my spheres of influence and then lastly kind of operations of the square how do we go and do what god has called us to do so i think that'll be a good kind of way forward think through um, local ministry, right, uh, for the every every believer. But you know, we're talking about this priesthood of believer thing. It kind of got me thinking, Matt, about um, um, the Marine Corps. It's kind of my default, right? <laughs> one sure. of the one of the. So I was an infantry man, infantryman, right? And so, but one of the key phrases in the Marine Corps is every Marine is a rifleman. It was it was, you know, a robust teaching in the Corps. So what they would do to ensure that was they sent, whether you're an infantry Marine or in, in a job or MOS other than infantry, they would send you through a program, uh, if you will, a training regiment to kind of develop basic riflemen skills. Now, you got to stay up on those skills, but everyone kind of (laughs) starts at the same place, right? Um, So, you know, it kind of got me thinking the kind of idea behind this priesthood of believers is, you know, every Christian is a priest of the high priest, right? Under the high priest. Um, Now we got to develop those skills to be proficient. And there are some people who are called to specific jobs within that, but mm-hmm. every believer is a priest. What do you think about that?
1: I, mean, I think it's pretty biblical considering first Peter two mm-hmm. says but you are a chosen a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possessions, possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Yeah. Uh, revelation uh chapter one verse six and made us a kingdom priest to his god and father to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever uh, amen but you know it's one thing to read it neil it's another thing to to really meditate Rest. on what that means right wrestle with it um just like every marine is a as a rifleman it's almost like there is a a standard a baseline that everyone is expected to meet. Um, and so if every Christian is a priest, every believer in Jesus is a priest. Uh, first, where does that priesthood come from? Well, it comes with our, our union to Christ. And so if we are united with Christ, all things from Christ, all the offices are essentially we inherit it. Right? Yeah,
0: Um, no, totally. That's exactly right.
1: And so, the authority that we have comes from Christ, yeah, uh, so what does a priest do uh Neil?
0: yeah, so uh just to kind of roll that back one degree let's give a let's give a working definition for priesthood of all believers. I think that's that'll be helpful, and then we'll kind of talk about the functions. Sound good, so yeah, I like j. that j v. Fesco. Defined it this way. He said. the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers states that all believers in Christ share in his priestly status, which is what Matt was just talking about. Therefore, there is no special class of people who mediate the knowledge, presence and forgiveness of Christ to the rest of believers. And all believers have the right and authority to read, interpret and apply the teachings of Christ. Scriptures. Why this definition is so important is during the Protestant Reformation, um, this f- for sure for sure wasn't a reality. They believed that there were different classes of Christians, and so you had to have a mediator, someone who could read the Bible for you because you certainly couldn't read it and understand it. So this doctrine really frees the church to pursue and to know God because the mediator is Christ, right? Not another individual. So now with um, the functions, like what does a priest do, right? Well, priests, one of the things they do is they intercede for others. Um, And every believer has the opportunity to intercede in prayer, um, to bear burdens, to um man ask God for forgiveness like um those those are key elements and functions of a priest what else can you think of Matt
1: yeah as we think about this if you look at the office of Christ as priest um you're not you know the confession that you and I really like the 1689 uh gives us what that looks like but Leviticus 16, I think, really brings out the nature of the priesthood, right? Taking, having to be ceremonial, ceremonially clean, um, taking the sacrifice, sprinkling the blood, um, you know, really doing the work of of the ministry. Yeah, on the Day of Atonement. Um, And then, of course, Christ paid that. Mm -hmm. But You know, thinking back to the Reformation period, the medieval period, um, and what you were saying is that only certain people were permitted to be, have the vocation of priest or of, uh, you know, a vocational in ministry. And Luther, I think, was probably one of the main, I don't know, spearheads on this, said, no, 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 we are all called to be ministers of the gospel uh, we are all called to this and, and you know, I, I don't know if I've shared this before, but it's one of my favorite stories, but a shoemaker, you know, he says, how does a shoemaker uh, be the best Christian um, shoemaker? Does it, does he go around making little crosses on his shoes and putting little, you know, Christ symbols on it? He says, no, he says he makes the best shoes possible. That's yeah. how, that you know, you do the best thing, the best at your job that you can. And that's what it means. To be um, vocationally a minister,
0: yeah. So yeah, pursuing excellence.
1: Yeah, um, pursuing excellence.
0: Yeah. So you, guys, you don't have to put Philippians four thirteen on all your Under Armour shirts or shoes.
1: That's um, right. That's right. Sixteen there's, fourteen there's, or something.
0: There's, <laughs> there's, I can do all things like play NBA basketball. That's or, right. Or, listen, listen, Matt, you and I aren't getting in the NBA no matter what shoes we have on. But yeah, yeah I'm not. <laughs> the, the principle there is, man, we pursue excellence and not just pursuing excellence, but first Peter two nine through 12, you know, which is what you kind of you started in on. You did verse nine um, uh, earlier talking about the royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for his own possession, chosen people. Right. It yeah. says proclaiming the excellencies of him. Who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light? So here's one of the functions that you get to do, right, as a minister of the gospel, as you proclaim the excellencies of Christ. So you know, back to your you know cobbler uh, example, Matt. Man, we pursue excellence in our vocations, but we also proclaim his excellencies right so we don't remain silent in our faith we're bold in our faith but we're also um leaving a good taste in people's mouths right like read verse 12 of first peter 2 could you matt
1: yeah first peter 2 i got no. online yeah 2 12 2 12 Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits.
0: Right. So, you know, Peter's saying, listen, proclaim, but conduct, right? Conduct yourselves honorably. So, in the way we do whatever task it is we're called to do, um, part of our ministry, you know, Thing, and, and I hope you guys are kind of catching this. So, your ministry as a stay at home mom, your ministry as a student, your ministry as a pastor, your ministry as a businessman, so on and so forth. You got to think this way. Okay. Yeah. So, you're to proclaim His Excellencies as whatever those things are. And also, in that space, in that sphere, you're to conduct yourself honorably. Amongst people who don't believe. Unbelievers, right? Um, so that when they slander you as an evildoer, what will happen? Well, you because you're above reproach, eventually, you know, Peter says, and they will give glory to God when he visits. Uh, they won't have any other option because they'll have seen it and heard it.
1: Yeah, and you know, Neil, this brings up Kind of some counterpoints. So, the Roman Catholic Church, when this became kind of a big thing for Protestants, started pushing back a little bit, didn't they?
0: Oh,
1: yeah.
0: um, a little bit. Yeah. Like uh, they little, killed people.
1: That's right. They killed people.
0: <laughs> um,
1: you know, and so, how can the Protestants say that we are all. you know, able to read the Bible for ourselves. What does that mean to read the Bible for it? Does that mean that you get into a closet with a flashlight and, and read uh, uh, without any outside influence and, and you come to a conclusion on the text or, or, you know, what, what does that mean? Do you think, I mean, you, I mean, you know, but what does that mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I think one of the fears maybe the Catholic church had uh, was that um, this, Doctrine would sweep away vocational ministry, right? So, like pastoral roles or uh, the bishopric would go, you know, so on and so forth. So let's let's tone that back or pull that back now. So what the priesthood of believer does not mean is it does not mean that there are not some called by God to fulfill specific roles in the church for the purpose of equipping the saints so we kind of we gather that from ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 Uh, let me let me turn to it so i can read it Um, but it says this that almost there he called some go eat there we go i have to remember my little ditty so i go to the right page He says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, verse 12, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Um, Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. So what is this telling us? Well, it's telling us that God has appointed some. Um, to lead in this endeavor, okay, to equip other people, not to sit idle, but to equip them for work. What kind of work? Well, the ministerial work. What is the ministerial work then? Well, we look back at the example of Jesus. Jesus came um, to set the captives free, to <laughs> so free the oppressed, to recover, give recovery of sight to the blind, to heal, to restore, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, we see that in Luke um, chapter uh, six. Um, so Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom of God has arrived. And so that is, we, we now take that ministry and we work that out functionally in our lives, right? So before Jesus leaves, he gives us this thing we, we call in the church, the great commission right and the great commission is to go into the whole world to proclaim Christ right to baptize people in the name of the father son and holy spirit and to teach everyone those people all that Christ has commanded us so that's the ministerial work that we're called to engage in now we we go when when a, when Ephesians 4 says to equip the saints then for the work of ministry What that implies is that we're to come together, to assemble is another way to say that, to be equipped, like a training day, right, (laughs) which we call Lord's Day, to worship and be equipped, then to go back out now into those places of your vocational calling, wherever that may be, and in your homes and in your communities, and to do this work of ministry there. So we come in for training, we leave to do, to work. And every believer is a priest in that regard. Where only one select group, the priests, would do this work of ministry for all the tribes of Israel historically. Now all people have been equipped because Christ mediates for each and every one of us and then calls us in to equip us and sends us out to work.
1: Neil, I I like how uh, Hebrews 10 really backs up what you're saying. Uh, Verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Christ, of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. So this is what a, a, a priest does. Yeah. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. There's that word again not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, And Neil, I think that really sums it up, right? We draw near to the Lord. We draw near to God because of Jesus Christ, because he is the ultimate high priest. And we are now a priesthood of believers, which means we can come and intercede for others before him. We have to be a holy people. Um, We are called to be set apart, uh, that language of holiness is huge in Leviticus. And um, not only that, but we also encourage each other not to neglect to gather together, right? So this this high priest nature means we drag one another back to church, yeah. uh, to gathering, to worship.
0: So that we would not waver.
1: So we would not waver. That's right. And, and all the more, right, as as the world looks like it's getting worse and worse, all the more we drag each other uh, together. We join as believers. Neil, and the other thing that you mentioned was teaching, uh, teaching one another, and that's a result of the Holy Spirit uh, yeah, indwelling so. the believer. It's a, it's a a ministry of new covenant, right? Yes. Because of the new covenant in Christ's blood, we are able to read the Word of God, um, you know, in the context of the great tradition and and all that and and historical grammatical methods and scripture interpreting scripture and all the all those crazy details that we don't want to neglect but we are able we're enabled to teach one another right so me as a pastor doesn't mean that i am not able to be challenged by the word of god right i have to submit to the word of god so if someone in my congregation says man you it doesn't seem like you're lining up to what scripture teaches yeah. and they bring that text to me and they show me and we talk about it. Um, at some point I may say, you know what, you're completely right. Uh, but that's not what was happening during the medieval church, uh, mainly because everything was in a foreign language to the listeners. Um, the, but uh, also because they were above uh, challenge because of their position. Uh, yeah. not because of the authority of the word. And I think that's very important for us too.
0: Yeah. So the almost priestly authority, I would say was put at the same height as biblical authority, or you might say church tradition and biblical authority um, or papal authority. Right. So, I mean, you know, it kind of goes back to what you said earlier, Matt of, well what does it mean to read interpret and apply the teachings of scriptures right of the scriptures and you said and that's a work of the holy spirit in us it's a it's a new covenant promise you know that doesn't mean though uh, hear me say this that we don't read in the context of community that's mm-hmm. good that keeps us uh from bouncing into error right or we, we just neglect Christian tradition altogether. If the Christ if the tradition is biblical, then we uphold it. Right. But yeah, if it's yeah. unbiblical, then the authority of scripture stands alone. Right. We just talked about that with scripture alone. So, um, uh, many people say, we'll we'll take this, this principle, I think over the top Matt and say like, well, I don't need to hear a pastor. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to do, you know, all these other things in the context of community because I have the Holy Spirit and I have the Bible and that's enough. Well, it may be like foundationally enough to make you wise about salvation, but it's not enough to make you just wise. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. No, we God did not save you into isolation, but he saved you into a community to um, exercise those gifts for the edification of the church, not for you. He's he's called you to read Scripture in the context of community. We see that in Acts two of forty two, with the apostles, um, and uh, the early church in Jerusalem. He's he's called you to pray for one another. I mean, all these are interpersonal disciplines that you're called to, but you also need to know that you got to read your Bible privately as well. Like That's a means of grace in your life. Oftentimes I hear from people, Matt, um, man, I come to church and that's where I hear the word and then I go on my way. And they're usually talking to me at that point because some grievous sin has entered their lives and they don't know what to do. It's caused a lot of pain. And what do you think my first counsel to them is other than, confession and repentance get your nose in the word right get in the word because you you cannot live in any other way if you want to be holy which is an implication of being a priest right then you need to know the one who is holy (laughs) so so being in the word is a function of man a, a gift of God so that you can know him and know how you are to relate to him and you can't get that in any other space
1: yeah i think i think that's that's important to you know recognize that we have to be in the word um but we also want to recognize too that our hearts are deceitful above all things and so by claiming you have infallible interpreta- interpretations of things or you're discovering things that nobody else has discovered in the word um, really is the height of arrogance uh, and pride, pride and really pride, makes it pride. suspect <laughs> pride, pride, pride. Um, so anyways, that that's the emphasis we want to, we want to recognize that yeah, our, our human nature is totally depraved and, a lot of times we will read into scripture what we want to know um, or we think we want it to mean in order to get around um, sinful things. And I don't know if you've ever done this, Neil, but I know I have, that I've spent time wrestling with the text mainly because I want to be right and I want it to be wrong so I don't have to submit to it. Right. Um, and And eventually you just get crushed underneath the weight of that but in our pride, we can be hardened. And um, so that's why we're called to do this in community, right? Encouraging one another with psalms and hymns and um, singing, as well as admonishing um, and, and the pure word which built us up. So we have that concept. I, I don't want to lose that. But there was something else I really wanted to um, consider about this is how the subject of priesthood should always point us to Christ, right? So I don't know where you are in your Bible reading plan, um, but most people are probably in the Leviticus Numbers area uh, at this point, maybe a little past that. Uh, but as you read those passages, you observe a the shadowing or the foreshadow of of Christ, right the These other things are shadows of what Christ is and what Christ does. Um, So that encourages me because I look at the holiness required. Um, I was sharing with our congregation the other day, uh, when you read the New Testament or when you read the Old Testament, what makes things clean? Well, it's when they touch the altar, right? Anything that touches the altar becomes clean. All right, it's never the other way around. Nothing makes the altar unclean. It's the, the altar that makes things clean. And Jesus Christ is what causes unclean things to be clean in the uh, New Testament, right? When he goes and he touches the lepers and all these different things. And so you have this, this beautiful imagery of this priesthood, this, this Christ, who um, is the completion, the fulfillment of all these past uh, Old Testament uh, shedding of blood and, and, and ceremonial rules. Um, and that's how we're transformed is by observing, by keeping our eyes on Christ um, as priests. And so, yeah, our, our role is to point to Christ in everything that we do, uh, whatever our calling, whatever uh, task we do. I mean, there's so many t- passages about that. Um, but I think the easiest way is look at how Paul calls himself. Slave of Christ Jesus.
0: No, I think that's great. Um, you know, one of the things I hear um, or I've heard in working in the church over the last eight or nine years or however long it's been is, um, man, that's what we hire the pastor for. <laughs>
1: mm, yeah.
0: Um, and what one thing to just warn you guys against is... Whoever your pastor is, he is not equipped or able to change your heart, to make you more holy, to, um, to ultimately sanctify you. That's a work of Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so um, he can assist in those things for you. But you, friends, like Philippians tells us, have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that means if you are um, one of God's elect, that means you're to be holy as he is holy, that you to be a priest under the great high priest. You're to be uh, a holy nation in, com- in your community. And that means you have to work to that end, right? Um, because the foundation is laid in by you having a new heart given to you. Now you can go out and do good and to drive forward and to know God in a deeper way. And as you continue to know him, your ministry influence, wherever that is, will increase because you're being faithful. And uh, and that's that's what Matt and I want to encourage you guys towards. faithfulness, in your faith right (laughs) we just want you to be faithful followers of christ so and part of that is you need to understand that you're you are a priest if you believe and man there's major implications for that in your life and in your relationship with christ well guys i think that's all we have time for today next week we'll be hitting up something called developing a sense of place it's really uh kind of cool and buzzy and um maybe it'll give you a better kind of understanding of where god has called you um but guys until next time thanks for listening to the gospel lifeline podcast